It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. Hope everybody had a nice few days off with the Jets coming off a Thursday night affair. Bart, how was your weekend, my friend? All good? It was quiet. I had nothing to do on Sunday but watch other football teams play and not watch my beloved Jets. But I tell you what, man, it was a lot is going on in this league. I tell you what, one thing I realized is we don't know anything about this league. This thing is going to go no. down to the wire. You know, you can call this really upset Sunday. You know, I mean, you think about, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, winning. You think about the Denver Broncos winning. <laughs> you think about Jacksonville. You think about Jacksonville beating the uh, Bills, and the Bills only putting up six points. Like, you can't make this stuff up. If you ask me who's the best team in AFC, I don't know. Ask who's yeah, the best team in NFC, I don't know. And, you know, that's the beauty of it. I think the parity in this league is tremendous. And the fact that on any given Sunday, you can be got. That's what I took from Sunday. And it's exciting to see. And it lets you know that all fan bases should still be engaged. You still have a whole half a season to go. Injuries. Um, can really change the the outcome or the outlook on on a team. You know, Cincinnati we thought was the the cream of the crop. They fall to the Odellis Cleveland Browns. Jets broke the Bengals. Let's face it, Bart. The Jets broke the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. They still haven't gotten off the map, but we'll get into the rest of the NFL and go around the league a little bit later on in the hour. And thoughts and prayers to everybody's survivor pool out there, too, after yesterday, because, you know, <laughs> not too many of those are still standing after all those upsets that you just rattled off there that happened on Sunday. But let's look back on the last one here for the green and white. That was on Thursday night, a 45 to 30 setback. To the Indianapolis Colts, they dropped to two and six, zero oh and five on the road. As a matter of fact, and you know, Bart, it's unfortunate because going into that game, we talked about how when they had the win off against Tennessee a few weeks ago, they then followed that up with two disappointing performances, and they were unable to build off of that win against the Titans. You wanted to see them maybe take that next step and to string a couple of wins together after beating the Bengals. They just weren't able to get it done. Yeah, of course. And whenever your starting quarterback goes out, the one who's taking the majority of the reps for the entire week, it's tough to, to, to deal with. And, you know, you know, you talk about, you know, Johnson and what he was able to do. It was tremendous, um, but it changed the offense a little bit. And also it, it, it really made the Jets have to get outside of what the, I believe they really wanted to do, which was to really control the time of possession run the football. That was good. You know, it's not all bad, right? When you think about how Elijah Moore was able to kind of continue to build and grow two right. touchdowns, you talk about, you know, the array of, of, of the ball being spread around, everybody kind of, kind of eating a little bit, you know, you, 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 you are concerned with the fact that Croft had a tremendous play, but then he was a, then he lacerated his uh, lung, but all in all, you can say it was some very positive things to build off uh, from the offensive side of the ball. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, it was a bit of a reality check because for the first time, I think, all year, the Jets were physically dominated. And we, we're used to seeing them – or we, we, we've seen them lose maybe because of confusion and lack of communication. This was a good old-fashioned butt-whooping, and everybody has to take accountability for that. Uh, coaches, players, and all have to come and figure out how does that never happen again because now that it's on film – 
teams that may not have a great offensive line as the Colts are still going to attempt it until you stop it. And Jonathan Taylor kind of just ran rapid in Hines and, and we all saw it, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a humbling experience. I've been part of games like that where you just can't figure it out. And the team is just has your number. And, you know, they had a tremendous game plan. Uh, they had a lot of yo-yo motion and, People are like, oh, what's yo-yo motion? That's when you take the the tight end off and he goes one way, comes back the other. And they caught the Jets early on with a change of uh, strengths. And, you know, you saw a lot of guys running around trying to communicate with each other. Um, and that's something they have to learn. You know, when you are being attacked that way, how to deal with it. And I don't think the Jets have ever been attacked that way with, you know, the yo-yo motions, getting guys communicating, quick snapping the ball and catching guys out of their gap simply because they have to change the strength of motion when the tight ends move or when the receivers moves. So I'm, you know, that package will be a point of emphasis, I'm sure. And if they do lose, they won't lose because of a lack of communication because they've already did that one. Well, and you know, you talk about it too. And we, we heard that kind of emanate from the game a few days ago. Right. And just, it speaks to the importance of pre-snap and how you really have to be aware of what the other team is doing and whether that's the film study that you do during the week. And not only that, because there could be a team that goes out there and puts new wrinkles into the game plan, where they're going to show you maybe some different looks that you're not accustomed to seeing from them though. But then that's the communication that you have to rely on from whether it's your guys who are calling the signals on the field. It's such a multi-step process right before the ball is even snapped fans just you know foul the ball see where the ball's going but there's so many things that go into each and every play and a lot of it is even before the thing even gets started yeah so and, and that's kind of what i was alluding to the pre-snap and post-snap recognition you know when you're kind of running and shifting and you know because strange change of motion you you lose your eyesight you're not looking at your keys because you're too busy communicating and saying, okay, going from a, what we call is a rip call, which basically means right. And we talk a Liz call that basically means left. And when they motion, you have to change the strip from rip to Liz and it can catch you in that moment. You know, but what we used to do with Rex, when we went against teams that do that, we just went with a call where we could close it to the field and we figured out how to be interchangeable. And that's the next step, right? Because you have a bunch of young guys that have to go through a lot of things together to talk about how they're going to combat after the adjustments been made to their adjustment. So maybe next time they're in their situation, they'll go with a call that's predicated on a boundary or feel so that teams can't dictate to them the rules of engagement. And on a very short week, it's hard to be able to have exactly. a game plan where you can have counters, right? You kind of go with a game plan or a similar game plan to the week before. And if a team puts a major wrinkle, you're trying to kind of, you know, get recon and try and, and change it on the fly because you guys haven't practiced it in practice. And with a young team, it's hard to kind of put new things in while you're playing. I was just going to say that. I'm glad you brought it up, too. You would think that a team would be more susceptible to something like that on a short week, given that, okay, nowadays we know you're not going out there when you have a Thursday night game and having your normal practices that you would if it was a normal game week there. So when you factor in the youth, you factor in the inexperience with some of these guys on the defensive side of the ball, which, look, by and large, they've done a really decent job all season long, but sometimes you could get prone to maybe being caught liable, making those type of mistakes, and, hey, you tip your to the other team the Colts you give them credit for what they had designed in that game and it paid dividends I mean you talk about the ground game what was it 260 yards rushing for the Colts that evening Jonathan Taylor was a beast whether it was on the ground out of the backfield you name it and unfortunately it left the Jets kind of scratching their heads from a defensive standpoint it did but you know the, the good thing is they had 10 days to kind of 
digested. They didn't have to move on quickly from it. They were able to sit down and listen, those are very, very tough film sessions because everybody's got to be held accountable. And what happened is and what and what and what I witnessed is when things got bad, like who stays the course? And what happens is a lot of times when things are giving up big runs, then we try and cover for each other. We try and do something that's outside of our 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 uh, responsibilities. And we say we always have to farm your own land. When you start farming somebody else's land and who's farming yours, then it's difficult for the coach to be able to make the corrections because now you're correcting two people instead of one. You know, I, I would love to see, you know, what better opponent, though, you know, to have to face this week outside of, you know, an opponent that you know within a division. Do you know the emotions are going to be high because of the Buffalo Bills and you have familiarity with them as a as a outfit? You understand what their personnel is. You've had experiences with them conceptually, what they you know like to do. You, you, you know, Josh Allen, you know, when you, you know, when you go on a short week and you're traveling across town or you're traveling across the country, you know, all those things, all those variables are unknown. They're going to have an opportunity to face a familiar opponent. And it's going to be more about, you know, execution and physicality than it is about trying to figure out who's who and what they do well, because you've never played against them before. Remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app presented by Fubo Sportsbook. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. The good thing about suffering a loss like that, if you want to take any glimmer of positive out of it, Bart, is that just a couple of weeks ago, this team went up to Foxborough and had a rough afternoon against the Patriots, had a lopsided result. They come back the next week and they beat what we thought at the time was a real good Cincinnati Bengals team, even though they haven't won a game since. But now you have an opportunity to shake this one off. And as you said, play a Buffalo Bills team, which is in your division. It's a rivalry game. And oh, by the way, you know, they're coming off of a rough performance yesterday, not even finding the end zone against the Jacksonville Jaguars team. So you're going to have two teams on that field next Sunday who are going to be gunning for a victory in the worst way. Yeah, you know that you're going to get their best, right? Because you know that they're going to be going through those tough meetings, those corrections, just like you did. And you're going to have to meet force with force. You're going to have to get off to a good start. It's going to be about being disciplined. We're going to see, really, I love what they've been doing on this offense side ever since LaFleur has gone up to the booth. It's allowed him, I think, to have a greater sense of conceptually what the defense is trying to do to him because he's not on an eye level. He's above looking down so he can see really what they're trying to do and where the, where the holes are, you know, and, and, you know, you add Corey Davis, if Corey Davis can get back, that's just another weapon, you know, for whoever's behind center. And I feel like the offensive line is starting to gel. So that's really what you want. This season is all about, you know, being able to get an identity, some continuity and experience success, you know, and you know, we know whoever they put behind center, they've already played at a high level. They've already had a game or a series where they played at a high level. So whether it's Johnson, whether it's White, whether it's Wilson, they've had success and experienced success. Now can you do it twice? Yeah, and and, I mean, you look at the offense, you make a good point. I mean, the last two times out, I mean, they put up close to a thousand yards in the last two games. And hey, I, we could all sit here and, you know, make jokes or whatever about LaFleur being up in the booth and lock the door, don't let him out and all those things. But I mean, it's all contributing to certainly a difference on the field. The offense is operating a lot more smooth. You're seeing them doing things that we didn't see them do for really the first quarter of the season here. Now, Coach Sala said earlier today, 
that both Mike White and Zach Wilson should return to practice starting on Wednesday. So then the question's going to lie, you know, who do you start as the quarterback against the Buffalo Bills? Either way, you know, if you want to talk about Mike White for a second, because we've seen him play the last couple of games, even the quarter that he played against Indianapolis, he moved the team up and down the field. He looked comfortable in charge and command of this offense here in you know, under his watch at the very least, whether it's the offense benefiting from what they're able to do on the field, you have a guy like Zach Wilson, who I think by watching is gaining that experience of just maybe a different set of eyes, if you will, of seeing, okay, next time I step out under center, I look at it a little bit differently than I did maybe before I had the injury. Absolutely, because sometimes you're able to take a step back. Sometimes when you're really close to something, you can't see the whole picture. And now he's understanding. He's saying, okay, well, I've, I've watched two quarterbacks come in in the same system, running the same things that I've run, but right. they've had more success than I've had. Oh, they're getting the ball out of their hands. They're allowing their playmakers to make the plays. Maybe I should be able to have a faster clock. Look at their pre-snap read. Talk to them. Ask them what are they seeing, what are they keying. Because, you know, they, you know, you look at what they've been able to do. You look at Michael Carter what he's been able to do, Elijah Moore, what he's been able to do, and some of the other players in, in, in spots. And, you know, he threw for the, the year before, Mike, you know, the week before, Mike, Mike White threw for 400 yards, 160 was from the running backs. You, you don't have to throw bombs all the time to have the productivity. You have to trust your eyes, believe your eyes. And I think that's what Zach Wilson's probably going to benefit from is trusting your eyes, being decisive, getting rid of the football, and allowing your playmakers to be the stars. Corey Davis, Tevin Coleman should also return to practice on Wednesday. So the offense as a whole getting a little bit healthier, which is a good thing. But one of the guys you mentioned, Elijah Moore, so much hype, so much expectations with the rookie wide receiver all throughout the offseason into training camp. And he got off to a little bit of a slow start this year, suffered that concussion in Denver, which sidelined him there for a little bit. But my goodness, last two games, 13 grabs, 151 yards, found the end zone a couple of times. They got him into the end zone up in New England on a jet sweep play with the running game. So you're starting to see Elijah Moore contribute to this offense, Barton. Think about it. If you're going to get him now contributing with some of these other guys that have already done a nice job here, then, hey, that just opens up a lot of possibilities for what this offense could do. He's multidimensional, right? So he's a guy that's a Swiss Army knife, and I think what they're doing a better job of is getting him in a slot and allowing him to use his speed horizontally, not so much vertically, but being able to come into the quarterback's eyesight, get the ball, a friendly ball where he can turn up and get that yak, and that's what we're starting to see. We're starting to see him being able to understand the nuance of understanding where the holes are in zones and how to beat man-to-man coverage, and he's been doing it you know, primarily from the slot position and also just putting the ball in his hands and saying, hey, okay, well, listen, let's see if you can tackle you know, this playmaker in space. He's made a living of it or at it you know, at Ole Miss, and now they're, you know, the game is starting to slow down a little bit for him, and he's understanding where he can take advantage of certain defenses and certain you know, zones within the offensive system. Dan Grass and Bart Scott here on Inside the Jets. We're brought to you by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured. We're going to have Ashton Davis, second-year safety, on the show coming up a little bit later on in the hour here, Bart. But talking about the safety position, Jets lose their veteran safety. One of their leaders on this football team, Marcus May, suffers an Achilles injury, non-contact, which unfortunately, you know this, I mean, it's never a good sign whenever you suffer one of those non-contact injuries. He's going to be lost for the rest of the season. And when you talk about the secondary, which was young going into the season, now just got a heck of a lot younger. And if you think about 
the two starting safeties on opening day, Marcus May and LaMarcus Joyner, they're both out of commission now already for the remainder of the year. Boy, that's going to be a heavy burden on some of those young guys like an Ashton Davis just trying to get through the second half of the season now. Right. We've seen we've seen the, the young corners kind of step up and rise up. Now it's the safeties position to kind of step up and show the depth that they have. And, you know, you have to grow up because nobody's going to feel sorry for you. And the last thing you want to do is be the one on the field being being taken advantage of and, and, and giving up big plays. So you have to step up. You have to take the accountability and you got to say, you know what, if not me, then who? Right. And, and, you know, everybody has to take a little no bit doubt. of responsibility. And you think about Marcus Mann, where he is, your heart kind of goes out for the kid, you know, because he was hoping to get a long term contract. And, you know, now with the injury, you know, that's tough. Right. And, you know, we don't know how long it's going to last. And, you know, you have to make sure that you you stay involved and have to make sure that everybody's still calling them because it can be an isolating feeling when you're having surgery, you're doing rehab. You know, that's when everybody's not around and it can be a lonely, you know, uh, place to be so hopefully you know we're able to keep his spirits high and he gets back to a speedy recovery and understand that it's just a very minor setback for a major comeback you know but he is one of the most important pieces when you think about what he does think about you know what he's responsible for uh being able to you know one get the close call two also be able to get the front end and the back end tied together and also being able to do pre and post snap you know um communication when you think about what he sees with his pre-snap reads, being able to communicate that not only to the linebacker core, but also to the rest of his de defensive backs. You know, it's going to be sorely missed, but, you know, maybe the good thing out of it is now when he comes back, he's going to have two guys that can kind of share the responsibility as far as communicating to everybody what we are doing and so that everybody can be on the same page. No doubt. And we wish all the best to Marcus on uh, a recovery, which goes uh, as smooth as possible here as he's works his way back from the Achilles. When we come back here on Inside the Jets, we are going to talk to the second year safety out of Cal. He is Ashton Davis. Dan Gross and Bart Scott coming back here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. It's time now for our player guest segment, also brought to you by EY, Building a Better Working World. And we're joined here by Jets second-year safety, Ashton Davis, who's nice enough to join us here on the program. Ashton, Dan Grasso, Bart Scott, thanks for joining us today. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. You know, coming off um, last week, you know, the loss on Thursday night, short, short week, um, you are able to watch a little football and I know I always love when I had Thursday night football, you can get a perspective about what's going on in the league because you're not really concerned with your team. What did you learn about the league and, and, and kind of like the themes and the concepts of, of the day or this year by watching football this week? I've just been focusing on details, looking at the little things. You know, it's uh, we've been focusing on three seconds of focus and just, just being able to lock into the details and looking at what you're supposed to look at, you know, keys and everything for those those three seconds, and it's the little things that'll get you beat. You know, you guys had the tough performance against the New England Patriots a few weeks ago, Ashton. You were able to bounce back and get a good win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Some of that preparation that you use going into that game, the mental part of it at least, is that going to be applied now, putting aside this Indianapolis performance and getting ready for a good Buffalo team? Um, yeah, of course. Like any. Um, like, like I said before, you know, it's the, it's the details. I got to focus for myself on the little things. I haven't been doing a good job at that. And uh, I know we, we could, just, we got a lot we can clean up. Now you're going, you're going against a divisional opponent. You know, you have a little bit more Intel on them than somebody outside of your division. Um, 
in, in breaking down and watching their game, I don't know if you watch their game, you guys start breaking down the film, you know, but, you know, what are some things you guys are going to definitely have to take away to be able to be successful on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, well, they like to throw the ball a lot. So, um, you know, us as a secondary, we embrace that challenge. That's what they've been doing um, the last few weeks. And uh, we look forward to, to taking that ball away. We haven't done a good job, a good enough job of that yet this year. And, uh, should be some opportunities on Sunday. Now, now who now who sets the who sets the tempo now that Marcus May is out as far as the communication? I know sometimes at the middle linebacker, I don't know what you guys have and your responsibility for defense. You know, kind of make some of the checks with the shifts and motions. You know, who 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 will take over some of those duties now to be able to make sure that the back end is kind of on the string? I think we all got to step up. Um, communication is going to be at a premium. Um, you know, it always was, but especially now that, that Marcus is down, uh, I think we all got to talk and kind of put that weight on our shoulders, make sure we know our stuff so that when things do move and, uh, you know, we get we get motions and shifts that we're all talking and we're all ahead of it. We know we know what to do before it happens. Ashton, what does that loss of Marcus mean, not just for the defense as a whole, maybe not even the secondary, but even yourself personally, given the fact that he was a veteran, he was kind of like the veteran leader, the quarterback of that secondary. What type of a loss does that bring to the rest of that unit? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough not having May around, but I mean, he, I mean, not on the field, I guess. He's, he'll still be around. He'll still be helping with what he can. I'll still be asking him questions for sure and trying to get any type of nuggets from him that I can, um, but it's you know you never you never like to see a guy like that go down. Now does does this injury kind of put you more into the box when you guys want to come down to your cover three, um, understanding that you know this is a copycat league and a lot of times you know you guys were caught up you know, against Indianapolis with the shifts and motions trying to get you guys kind of out of your front and catching you guys kind of communicating. You know are, you know do, does this change your your role? Are you going to be more of the insert safety when you guys go to cover three in the box? Uh, I guess we'll find out on Wednesday, but uh, I think we all just got to know strong and free and just make sure we're, like I said, getting in our books, making sure we know everything. And so we're all prepared for whatever role uh, we're thrown into. Ashton Davis joining us here on Inside the Jets. You know, let's go back to that game on Thursday night against the Indianapolis Colts. It was a quick turnaround just a few days after you played a very physical game against the Cincinnati Bengals. How did you feel personally? Were you feeling maybe some of the wear and tear of having to play two games in a short amount of time? Physically, what was that like for you getting back out there on such a short turnaround? I felt personally, I felt good physically. They did a good job taking care of us during the week. Um, yeah, I, I felt good. I just, you know. Didn't, didn't play as well as I wanted to. Well, just from the outside looking in, I thought this was one of your better games. I thought you were all over as far as the physicality coming down and trying to hit guys like Taylor and things like that. You know, you're still a very young player. You know, what what is the difference in, you know, you this year opposed to last year as far as is the game slowing down a little bit more? Is the, the communication a little bit better? Like, where have you um, grown up as a player in your eyes? I've gotten a lot better at watching film. Um, that's that's one where uh, one area I've grown in, but um, I'm still not there yet. Obviously, I had uh, the injury that's last year that uh, put me out and had me miss some OTA time and some training camp time. So um, I don't want to give myself an out. I haven't played as well as I wanted to play, and I need to get back in the books. But that's that's one area I've improved. I've I've learned. I'm still learning um, how to how to watch film. But that's that's a big thing for me. How I've been able to grow. 
All right, Ashton, hang tight. We want to have more with you. That's next right here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott, and we're talking with Jets second-year safety, Ashton Davis. How about you personally, Ashton? You know, you have a handful of games now under your belt after coming back from a pretty long, grueling injury rehab process there. Do you feel like you're all the way back, close to all the way back? How are you feeling now that you've played some games here? I feel good physically. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel back, like I'm back to where I was at. You know, there was a couple of weeks there where I was, I felt like I was having camp legs, but that's over with. And um, I'm just ready to move forward. You know, how, how's the, how's the energy there, right? Listen, <laughs> I was once part of a team that had to bury a football. We got our butts kicked so bad that it's probably still there too. It's, it's actually about a, <laughs> I don't know if we ever dug it up, man. I think it's still resting in peace. I don't know if it's biodegradable. You know what I mean? But, you know, after a loss like that, is it one of those type of things where you guys just come together, you you, you guys had accountability, watched the film, and seeing where you guys can get better and understand conceptually how people are going to adjust and attack certain defenses that you guys are in in front? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we got a, we came in today and watched film, and it's about being accountable and um, not shying away from those moments where uh, you, you had, you know, they got to play on you or you were the guy that, that made the wrong fit or whatever. You know what I mean? You, you embrace those and you, you're accountable to yourself and you're accountable to your teammates and you, you wear that on your shoulders and just uh, let them know you're going to get better and you're going to, you're going to improve from that. Now no, you guys come off. Of, I'm sorry. You guys come off a mini bye week. You guys come off a mini bye week, right? So you guys had an opportunity. I mean, the, the hard part about Thursday games is that you plan on a short week, but the good part is that you get 10 days off. You know, what were you able to work on? Was it just about healing up, kind of stepping away from the game? Or what was your mini buy like? So, that, I mean, that Friday, a lot of film, a lot of, of self-reflection and, um, you know, watching the game back and seeing what the things that I did well, the things that I didn't do well and uh, how I can how I can improve my game from that standpoint. Um, as far as physically, um, just taking care of my body, you know, soft tissue massages, things like that, whatever I can do to, to get my legs back and get ready for uh, for the next time we we step on that field. Do you try to get your mind away from football a little bit, like over the weekend, or do you watch other games, whether it be college on Saturday, NFL games on Sunday, or do you just need to at least hit the reset button and maybe separate yourself from football? Uh, for me personally, like that, that game left a bad taste in my mouth. So um, I did step away from football a little bit, but uh, I was still involved. I'm still, um, you know, looking over my notes, th things that um, – you know, I, I felt like I did not do well and things that I need to, to fix before next week. Um, but it was nice to, to sit back and, and watch football and uh, get away from the physical side of it for sure. We're we're, fan, we're fans before we're peers, right? So I can remember, you know, growing up and, of course, that was the time when Ray Lewis was the best linebacker in the game. And, you know, I used to have the little mini, any dogs in the house, roof, roof, roof type of chant down. Everybody kind of did right before. And then I stepped into the – the building and now he was my peer you know when you when you got here we all have that aha moment where you have to say i can't be a groupie but like who's the safety that you looked up to uh in college and you know what do you like about their game and how do you try and steal from that person as far as being able to kind of add some of the attributes to your game yeah i watched a, i watched a lot of safeties in college um i watched you know some of micah hyde some of guys that had um kind of the same body type as me and same attributes as me. Uh, I watched a lot of those guys. Uh, one, the, my aha moment, I would say, is when 
I got in the locker room with Frank Gore, though. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I was a Niners fan. And, you know, like you said, once you get in the locker room with them, you, you, you don't want to be a, a groupie. You, you got to realize that you guys are peers now. And so that was that was probably my aha moment, like you said. It's crazy, right? Because you're going against Micah Hyde this week, right? So it's like one of yeah. those things. Like, it's weird because we're opponents, but we're also still in the same fraternity. Like, have you reached out to Micah Hyde to kind of, like, like be a mentor or, or have you had that, those type of conversations? And also, with Frank Gore, he's reportedly going to get into the boxing. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> now, now <laughs> if Frank get knocked out, man, are you – What's what's gonna happen, man? You gonna you gonna reach out to Frank, tell him, hey, man, like, hey, retire, or or or, or you there to support? You got to get the pay per view because you need them numbers I'm, up for him. I'm definitely supporting him, but I don't think I don't think Frank's getting knocked out. Um, as far as a basketball the, player too, man, like that's a crazy yeah, part. So if yeah. he get beat by a body, that's gonna set football players back a thousand percent. Darren Williams, come on, man. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Darren Williams made a lot more cash over the years, certainly. Maybe he didn't necessarily play for it or all that time he spent on the sidelines, especially when he got to the Nets, but he made a nice chunk of change. He might just be doing this for uh, for exhibition. Who the heck knows? But, Ashton, always appreciate a couple of minutes of your time, my friend. Best of luck against the Buffalo Bills this week and the rest of the season, and we'll do it again soon. But thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right, that's Ashton Davis. We thank him for joining us. Still a lot more Inside the Jets to come. Dan Gross and Bart Scott were presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. And Inside the Jets is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code GREEN for a special offer when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Well, Bart, we have that extra game now part of the 17 game season but you know you got eight games already in your pocket so I guess it's kind of sort of still at the midway point so we figure yep. perfect time to check in with the architect of this New York Jets football team that would be the general manager Joe Douglas and he caught up with our senior reporter Eric Allen to talk about the state of the team midway through the season well I think the high point has been watching this staff uh, and these players compete uh, on a on a day in day out week in week out basis, um, just just the effort that uh, Coach Sal and his staff have put into the into developing these young players, uh, it's been it's been really fun seeing the team come together, the energy and uh, and commitment that's that you've seen on a day in day out basis. Well, day in day out, what's it been like working with Robert? Because every time your name is brought up, he said he says, "I'm in lockstep with Joe." Yeah, no doubt. Me and Robert talk all the time and. You know, Robert, Robert's been uh, his passion, his his energy. It's it's contagious, and you know um, the the one thing that's been really really cool is our is our daily communication. And we're always bouncing back and forth in each other's office, bouncing ideas off each other, uh, talking through scenarios, situations, and so uh, developing this relationship with him has been uh, has been really cool. And uh, you know, just again seeing seeing how he communicates with everyone in the building, um, how he communicates with his staff, how he communicates with the players, being in his team meetings uh, every day. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch. 
So that is the general manager of the Jets, Joe Douglas, talking about the team here at the midway point of the season. Get to MetLife Stadium this November to see your New York Jets host the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, November the 14th, and the Dolphins on Sunday, November the 21st. Lock in your seats at nyjets.com slash tickets. Dolphins victorious yesterday, Bart. They pick up their second win of the season. Buffalo does not get in the win column as they lose a 9-6 game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's like a football score from like the 19th century or something. <laughs> Neither team found the end zone. And we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. I mean, that was one of the wildest, most unpredictable days of football that you're going to see. Goes back to the old saying, right? Any given Sunday, anybody could be beat. And again, thoughts and prayers to a lot of survivor pools out there that probably took a huge beating because of some of those results. Yeah, you talk about Josh Allen being the best Allen as Josh Allen from the Jaguars really almost hit for the cycle. You talk about being able to get an interception, a fumble recovery and a sack. Right. And, you know, you just talk about it. You know, it's it's really is any given Sunday. And, you know, Jaguars didn't do anything great as far as from the um, X and O standpoint. When you think about, you know, Lawrence only threw for like 116 yards, but that was all they needed. He didn't mess up the game. He showed growth. They played hard and they had belief. Because at any point, if you let go of the rope in a 6-9 game, all it takes is one touchdown to kind of really, you know, to, to swing the pendulum back and forth as far as, like, who has the momentum and how hard it was, you know, points was at a premium. You know, to be in those tight of games are really, to me, sometimes just as exciting as the, the blowout games because you know, you know, first team that scores a touchdown or second team that scores a touchdown – that could be all that you needed. And, you know, Jacksonville, when they scored that touchdown, did not think that that was the last, you know, score that they needed. But, you know, it worked out. And that, that just continues, right? You talk about, you know, the uh, Falcons. Like, it's, it's so crazy that if the playoffs started today, the Falcons would be in. And you're, we're crazy. at the halfway point, And, you know, really teams are going to have to start making their moves. Coming fresh off of the uh, trade deadline. You know, if I asked you today who was the best team in the AFC – with the Jaguars beating the Bills, I really can't say the Buffalo Bills. So this thing is wide open. So it lets you know that the margin for error is really, really thin. And the difference between good and great is really, really close. And it's about anybody can beat anybody. And sometimes styles make fights. And you you start looking at, okay, this team uh, matches up with this team a little better. This team matches up with that team a little better. Did anybody see the Tennessee Titans with Adrian Peterson Going out west and beating Matthew Stafford and getting to Matthew Stafford five times when he's only been sacked seven times the entire season. We've been waiting for this Tennessee, the same Tennessee Titans that came and got beat by by the Jets. They weren't really getting to the passer at a great clip against the Jets, but they were able to get to Matthew Stafford five times. So that just kind of puts everything in perspective. Dallas Cowboys fall into the Denver Broncos. Who saw that coming? I mean, it's not like they just lost. I mean, it was basically a shutout 30 to zero in the fourth quarter so i tell you what man we are really setting ourselves up for a hell of a season where anybody i mean do anybody feel confident going and placing a bet on their team to win it i mean i know vegas is confused because they like you know they like they like you know certainty they're like okay this is the team that should be the favorite this team should be this i mean hell anybody could be the favorite well, I mean, that's why we got nine more weeks of this, and it's going to make it a heck of a lot of fun, and you don't know what you're going to see from one week to the next. I mean, look, the Jets are evidence of that, right? I mean, one performance up in New England, come back the next week, and they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, who could figure this league out? And, you know, yesterday, again, was a prime example. I want to go back to that Buffalo game for a second, though, because one of the reasons, you know, Buffalo – 
just uncharacteristic, undisciplined in that game yesterday. They had five personal foul penalties. And, I mean, it, it seemed like every few plays, Buffalo was getting flagged for 15 yards. If you're playing a team like that next, and you know that that's what they were prone to do a week ago, do you go into the game knowing in the back of your mind, not that you want to maybe like agitate them and get them off their game, but does that factor into your game plan, you think, if you're seeing them the next week? Oh, absolutely. It's always the second man that gets caught. So you're trying to nudge them a little bit on the side, push them a little bit. You know, you're trying to poke the bear. I mean, and you talk about it like the Jets have only beaten divisional winners. Well, Sunday they're playing a divisional winner. So, right. you know, so, so, so maybe just maybe, you know, we need to just only – only schedule the good teams and don't go against the teams that's not 500 or better, you know, but, you know, I know that's a little tongue in cheek a little bit, but listen, this is a, this is a game where you listen, you have to, if you don't be humble, the game will humble you. Right. And, you know, Dallas Cowboys feeling good about themselves. They got beat. You know, you talk about the, 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 the New Orleans saints after beating the world champions, feeling good about themselves. Got beat. Got beat. Got beaten, and, and Baltimore almost came close to getting beat. I mean, they were down two scores much of that Every, game, and then yeah. everybody has the, so many flaws. It's 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 you know what? It really is incredible. And and think about what the playoffs will bring once we ultimately get there. Just because of who knows what these teams are, you know, from one week to the next, as we were saying. How, I'll give you another game. I mean, how about even Arizona with Colt McCoy yeah. without DeAndre Hopkins going into Santa Clara and beating the Niners on their home field. I mean, Jimmy G had another rough afternoon there. Um, you, you just can't figure this league out there. But I give Arizona a ton of credit, too, because, again, without Kyler Murray coming off that loss on the previous Thursday night, which was a, you know, a painful defeat to Green Bay, to bounce back, shorthanded, go on the road, beat a divisional opponent, I think it said a lot about Arizona, too. Absolutely. It said a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, it's, 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 and Colt McCoy about being ready, right? James Conner right now leads the league in rushing touchdowns. I mean, he was a guy that was cast off from Pittsburgh who couldn't stay healthy, and he's having one of the best seasons of his career. And I, I think really understated about that Cardinals team is the fact that they signed Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson is, you know, their version of Nick Mango. This guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, and he was out there with, with the you know Las Vegas Raiders and they decided to move on. And I mean, to, to Arizona's credit, they knew what they had to do. All these great weapons. A.J. Green wasn't playing yesterday. They just get it done. And, and that's really what you're going to need. But then you as soon as you want to crown the Arizona Cardinals for what they've done, you realize that the week before they got beat by Aaron Rodgers without any receivers. Right. None. None and, whatsoever. And the Chiefs don't look like the Chiefs. That offense. No. Against that offense, hey, look horrible. If Aaron Rodgers plays yesterday, Packers win that game. I, I mean, it, it, it running goes away, running, running away. away. I, I mean, there was one play. It was actually, it was probably the throw that clinched the game, where Mahomes scrambled right and he hit Tyreek Hill to yeah. move the chains and essentially seal it out. That was one of the few plays you saw this year, Bart, from Kansas City, which actually reminded you of the Kansas City from the previous couple of years that we're used to seeing. You just haven't seen that this year. You know what I mean? So, like, it was a small glimpse, but if you take a step back, there's a lot of problems still in Chiefland. I think we could agree on that. And on the other hand, I think it's pretty evident Jordan Love is not ready yet to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, I think the biggest winner of all of Sunday was Aaron Rodgers. Because, I mean, you you yeah. go back to him pleading and crying and saying, we're sorry, we messed up. I mean, Jordan Love, I mean, he's three years in the league. You know, Mike White 
had never had a start, came in and has lit the league up in two weeks, an offense yep. that he hasn't been in for three years straight. You know, so like that's, you know, it's crazy, right? Because you just never know where a star is born, but he really didn't account himself very well. I mean, it's not again like he was going against the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. He was going against the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and they pretty much beat him with the cover zero blitz, which is a great sign of disrespect saying that, hey, we're going to blitz everybody, leave everybody on the island because we don't believe that by the time we get to you that you can figure out and decipher who you should throw the ball to and where to put the ball at. And I think that was really the frustrating thing for them. Now, it's crazy because he's going into his fourth year next year, and I think that if Aaron Rodgers comes back on a short week, well, if he comes back, he may not ever see the, the field again for the rest of the year. And if that's the case, how much do you really know about him to be able to evaluate? The one test that he had, he failed, and he failed miserably. And again, it's not like you're going into, you know, playing an elite defense or an elite team for that matter in Kansas City. I mean, you know, we still got another half a season. I know that. But would it shock you or would it shock anybody out there, Bart, if Kansas City even misses the playoffs altogether? I, I mean, let, I think there's a distinct possibility. You can't pencil They're still third. I think they're them. still third or fourth in their division. Exactly. That was a good win for the Chargers yesterday in Philadelphia. It's, it's a must win, win for Kansas City. Absolutely. And and last two games, right? Giants on Monday night, Green Bay, both at home. They squeaked by with both victories. They could have easily lost both of those games. This Chiefs team, I, I, obviously, I'm not sold on them. You know, you can't go by reputation the entire season. Reputation doesn't get you in the playoffs and win yeah. you trophies. This Chiefs team has to go out there and start playing better. Well, success in this league is least. It's not own. And every day and every week, the uh, the rents do. And the fact that I believe this week they have the Raiders, right? And I don't think if you're the Raiders, if you're the Broncos, if you're if you're if you're the the Chargers, I don't think you have a fear of going against Mahomes. Like, listen, the 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 Raiders didn't have a fear anyway because they can always beat him in Arrowhead. They beat him the last couple of times that they faced him, and that's with Mahomes and when he was right. This team just doesn't seem right. I don't know if they haven't come together really. As far as the running game, the offensive line, a lot of missing pieces, a lot of new pieces. We talked about with the Jets how important it is to have continuity, you know, with each other out there. And it just seems like they don't seem right. Travis Kelsey's played well, but not great. Tyreek Hill, they, they they're playing with the two high safeties and daring them to run the ball and and die death by a thousand paper cuts, and they just haven't been able to figure it out. So I mean, you talk about Mahomes, and that's why it's so important that when you're within a window. You take advantage of it because these windows open and close immediately. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And, and and I always get, you know, I, I laugh whenever, you know, we're doing shows and we talk to fans from, you know, fans of all teams. And when their team starts to get a little bit of success, like it cracks me up when a team wins a Super Bowl, the fan base starts talking about dynasty, dynasty. Right. Di I heard it. From, I heard it from Seahawks fans about seven, eight years ago when they finally get the first one, hearing it from the Chiefs fans the last couple of years. It's hard to be great. It's hard to be great for an, a prolonged period of time. So, I mean, each year, one to the next, you know this, it, it's hard. It's a clean slate. That's why you can't get carried away about just what you did yesterday. You always have to keep proving yourself in this league. Yeah, because it's more than just the X and the O's, right? Because, first of all, teams catch up to you, conceptually kind of figure out what you're doing. I think the Buccaneers kind of put the blueprint out about how you slow down this offense, knowing that it was a team that was built to put up points, but it wasn't a team that was really built to play from behind, right? Because it just continuously exposes this defense. And now we're talking about it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
inside of their window, right? Do they have one or two years? The last time we saw a dynasty, it was with the Patriots and they were running it back, back to back titles. Um, can Tom Brady do it again? I mean, we don't doubt Tom Brady, but this is the same Tampa Bay Buccaneers that we just saw get destroyed and physically dominated by the New Orleans Saints. So that's what I'm Thank saying. You. This thing is wide open, man. Nobody knows anything. I think the the, the, the only thing that we know is that we don't know. And it's going to exactly. be exciting. And th- that really poses for high numbers because if I'm a fan base outside of four or five teams, I am all locked in to the fact that, hey, we got a chance to beat anybody. And if we show up right that day and they don't show up right, they could, we could be sending them home. And that's a message Jets and Jets fans have to take into this game on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. All right. They might be in first place, but proved it yesterday. Obviously, they can be beat. And really, you look at together, right? It's two divisional opponents back to back at home at MetLife Stadium. After Buffalo, it's the Miami Dolphins. So you're back to rivalry games now. Jets haven't seen Buffalo or Miami yet. So um, this is an opportunity to prove yourself. If you want to ultimately have success, you first got to take care of your division first before you worry about beating other teams. Well, for the Jets, it's all about showing that, listen, it's safe to come, right? I think DuVernay really, you know, hit the nail on the head, the fact that he was willing to waive his his no-trade clause because he be- he believes that, hey, they're building something over here, right? And you have to continue to to put that, that, that commercial out there, that advertisement out there that, hey, man, we can beat anybody that, hey, we're growing a program over here, that the future is bright here in New York. And if you win in New York, you know, you, you can win anywhere. And it's nothing like being successful in New York. And that's what it's all about. This is about trying to make sure that you get experience for the young guys, that you set a standard of excellence to live up to, that you continue to show that it really is no gas, no brakes. When you say all gas, no brakes, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, everything that the Jets put on film, they're saying that that's what that's the mission statement. This is what it looks like. So you want right. people saying, hey, all gas, no brakes. OK, this is what it looks like. I can I want to rock with that. I want to be a part of that. I want to build with that. I want to grow with that. No doubt about it. And another opportunity, like I said, coming up against the Buffalo Bills this week. We'll see who the starting quarterback is going to be, whether it's Mike White, whether it's Zach Wilson. They both should be a practice coming up on Wednesday here, and the coaches will decide who's going to get the starting nod. Bart, we're out of time, my friend. Great stuff from you, as always. And, hey, we're going to do it again next week. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. That is Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. Thanks for checking us out once again, folks, on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. So long, everybody.